much. So if we were to actually quadruple afforestation, well, as you've just heard, there are those who believe that, that there isn't going to be enough land in Ireland for all of those trees if we are to continue feeding ourselves. Rubbish, though, say those in the Irish Agroforestry Forum. They believe that they have an answer. In fact, they've had it for quite a while, but now its time has truly come. This week, I met Jim McAdam from the Irish Agroforestry Forum in Deer Park Farm, Northern Ireland's Agri-Food and Biosciences Institute in Armagh. I bumped my way up and down the hills and through the apple orchards of South Armagh on Thursday before coming to rest in the middle of a very novel landscape. Uniformly spaced rows of poplar sitting in a field and beside them several more acres of uniformly spaced cherry trees sitting in a field with grass growing at their feet and further up the same rolling green hill similarly regimented ash. Was it farmland? Was it woodland? Or was it both? The answer is both. Broadleaf trees planted in fields where animals continue to graze. Silvopasture. Exactly. Yeah, I think that captures it. The silvo is the trees and the pasture because it's first and foremost a pasture. Jim McAdam was an agronomist specialising in grasslands who in the 1980s was looking for a way to make intensive pasture land more sustainable. He hit on trees and conducted an experiment, which was still standing all around us. So what we've left with is, after a couple of thinnings, the trees in here that you're looking at, there were originally 400 trees per hectare. Uh, Your normal forestry planting, maybe over 2,000. But here where we're at about... 10 metres apart. After two thinnings, we're down to about 120, 140 trees per hectare in here. And that, to me, is you're pretty well getting 80% more grass production in that system. You're getting all the other benefits that the trees are bringing, which we can talk about in a minute. And uh, ecologically and visually, it's an attractive-looking site. 120 trees per hectare, then, but what would be the stocking density for the sheep that are grazing in and around them? The stock would be adjusted to the grass growth throughout the year. Uh, we were stocking them at about five use per hectare throughout the season, uh, maybe up to seven, eight in the middle, and then down. Yes, the silvopasture takes less sheep, about half what the most intensively stocked land might. But in the first of many benefits, Jim surprised me with how long the livestock were able to stay out. I reckon after about year 12, 13, we were getting a significant extension in the grazing season because just the tree roots create a porosity in the soil that lets water get away, improves the carrying capacity of the land. So the network of roots underneath us here now means that you're getting how many more weeks grazing a year here? I, I would estimate between 14 to 17 weeks over three winters that we measure it here. Now that makes a huge difference to your grass utilisation, to your ammonia emissions capture. The longer you can keep animals out of a shed, the better, for all sorts of reasons. They thought that after five years, the grass growth would slow down as the overhead canopy crowded out the light. But that didn't happen until 12 years, by which time the timber they thinned out to create more light had matured to have some commercial value. In financial terms, you were talking about grass plus timber plus healthy-looking animals minus three months indoors minus significant amounts of fertiliser equals clover. 
What's the biodiversity piece from this? What have you done to the soil? What have you done to other flora and fauna in the area? We've measured all the standard things, insects, worms, birds, plant species, mm-hmm. and in every one of them we found silver pasture had a better biodiversity profile than um, the grass itself or the wood, even the woodland itself. How much less fertiliser do you have to use because the leaves are fertilising the ground as well every autumn? We didn't really take the, the leaf nutrient input into consideration. The animals ate the leaves as quickly as they fell, so therefore... And we now know that there's a lot of benefits to animal health from tree fodder. I have read that consuming the leaves can possibly reduce the amount of methane these ruminants generate. That's right. Well, there's been a lot of analyses done of leaf mineral contents of most tree species. Not many actually putting them through uh, a test of feeding them to animals and what they do. That's expensive. But it's, it's starting that work now. The willow has been shown, yes, definitely to bring those benefits. And there's no reason to think that other tree species will not bring the same benefits to animals in terms of the nutrition. And you, uh, you mean you could you think of using uh, nitrogen-fixing trees where you're going to have these with maybe more protein in them and those sorts of things. Presumably as well, where the trees are spaced more widely apart, I could spread slurry in here as well, couldn't I? You could indeed, and that's another, advan- another benefit. Um, First of all, you, you, know, you don't mark the land as much because it's better carrying capacity. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if it's done during whenever the, the, the trees are in leaf, there's certainly research from other countries and it's being done here too, show, showing that the amount of ammonia uh, being given off from the slurry will be absorbed by the tree leaves themselves and recycled in. You're kidding. So there's less gas escapes because it gets trapped yeah. by the canopy. Exactly, yes. Is there less runoff to watercourses as and well? And less runoff to watercourses, perfectly, yes. Because it just gets into the soil quickly. Eating the leaf matter can reduce methane emissions. The tree canopy captures greenhouse gases. Less slurry because animals are indoors less. Less fertiliser because the roots are storing more nitrogen. Win, 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 win. But many are still reluctant to commit to trees. What do you say to the person, Jim, though, who says, yeah, look, that's all very well, I can see how it makes sense on paper, but I'm afraid we're talking about my livelihood here and my children's future. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go experimenting with something that isn't proven yet. Considering that we've got targets to meet, we've got emissions targets to meet, I think you could put 10% of your land some way under trees, whether it's small corners of field, it's rounds field or whatever. I think you could do that without any impact on your income. So then, in the context of a conversation where we are looking at potentially having to quadruple afforestation, reduce the stocking levels by 30% between now and 2050, if we want to be Paris Agreement compliant, is it's not a silver bullet, but this looks like it comes pretty close. Yeah, yeah, because of course one of the big things with Paris Agreement compliance is not at the expense of food production. So we have to try and get things, you know, we, we think of targets, forestry targets and so on. But if you have a forestry target of a huge area of land, whatever, tens of thousands of hectares, that implies taking land out of production, agricultural production. Whereas this type of system allows you still to continue to farm at a different level, perhaps. But 
more biologically, more nature-based, more nature-friendly farming, if you like. And that's not just um, hippie-type stuff. That's really thinking about what's going on below the ground, going on below the soil, and stimulating that so that you're, that's driving your farming system, the benefits that the bacteria and the fungi and so on below the ground are bringing. Jim McAdam from the Irish Agroforestry Forum. We barely scratched the surface in that chat of what Silbo Pasture is about. So if you want more detail, Jim is involved in a podcast called Conversation Beneath the Trees, where you will find much, much more to contemplate. Coming up after the break, farming on the front line in Ukraine. Email countrywide at rte.ie.